You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Championships. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tradition, the past, present, future, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm Ryan Fowler. We'll talk to William Barger coming up in about 15 minutes. If you love recruiting, you're going to love William Barger. He's going to dive into these offensive linemen, talking about J.C. Latham, guys who have committed to the University of Alabama and a part of a class that ranks right now number two nationally and number one of the SEC. The Brockemeyer brothers, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about even the defensive side of the football with Payne. We'll talk about recruiting, and we'll really break down what he thinks about this upcoming season. Williams, a Crimson Tide insider, but also a former offensive lineman. He's going to share some thoughts. The best backfield in the country, the best offensive line in the country. You're breaking in a new quarterback, and I say new, a guy that has some experience. We'll talk about that. What does he think about Bryce Young? William Barger, do not miss it, coming up in about 15 minutes. Alabama tradition as we open up a brand-new show Every Tuesday right here from 6 until 7, and we're going to do some things unique with it. Love to have you jump on board at 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904. If you want to jump in, we're going to take phone calls for the early part of the program and dive into a couple different things. But Alabama practice at the earliest it could start is August the 17th. So we talk about 50-plus days away from Alabama and whom? Well, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. And But we're thinking, you know, is it is still a chance that uh, Georgia is out there? You've heard a lot of discussions, and I've heard the arguments both ways. I've heard that they'll flip the schedule and they'll put some of the SEC West teams at the beginning. And I've heard the argument that they'll put some of the SEC West teams at the end because you may have some wiggle room if things go sideways, but you could really need the wiggle room one way or the other. Let's continue the conversation at 205-342-9904. Pat, good afternoon, man. You're hey, in the game. First off, Ryan, I want to uh, thank the good Lord that he made us Americans and that by his grace that he made us Alabama fans because we could be in Beirut. That that was the biggest blast. Have you had a chance to see it? I did. Been busy. Yeah, I did. Oh, my Lord. If they said that was just fertilizer, because I heard, you know, man, they tried to say that it was basically the same thing that blew up the Murr building, uh, hey, in Oklahoma. I, I'm telling you, I, I've never seen a blast that big. I mean, you know, when you talk about that Moab bomb, it doesn't make an explosion any bigger than that, right? I got you. I got you. you know, uh, but, well, I mean, fertilizer is, a, you know, nitrogen is a pretty powerful tool, my friend. Yeah, well, they would have had to touch off a silo. In order to have made a blast that big, I think. But then that may be because I'd read a little further down, and they did talk about 
uh, grain and stuff not being able to, or grain not being any good, or may have destroyed some grain. I don't know. But anyway, hey, what I called about those good things, Alabama recruiting, when you get to talk to them, if I, if I don't, if I can't get back into you, uh, I'd like for you to talk to him about how is Nick going to finish off the most fantastic offensive line uh, in uh, on paper uh, in his uh, recruiting career. Looks great from here, does it not? No, oh, hey, and and from and everything that I'm hearing, I get all these naysayers, but everything I'm hearing, this offensive line's not finished yet, Brian. And hey, and if that be the case, oh my goodness! But uh, you know, hey, so present and future, hey, it, it won't be this year; that'll be next year. But hey, hey, but we've got a fantastic quarterback that's going to be behind that offensive line. And from what I'm understanding and what I'm hearing, that we've got a chance of getting a couple more very good receivers to go with that, uh, with our receiving core that we already have, which is some, and, and which has some five stars in it. You know what I'm saying? What if Nick Saban was able to take this group and, and to go back in the offensive side of things, you build this trenches? I mean, as you're thinking about it, let's say 2021, 2022. You've got this group of offensive linemen. And listen, the cupboard's not bare in T-Town. They've got a great offensive line here. they got some youngsters that are coming up. Now, you're going to lose a lot oh, of these guys absolutely. after this season, but your your cupboard is not bare. Oh, no, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, man, hey, the future is so bright. We've got to wear crimson-colored welding shades. I like it. I like it. I like it. And, you know, you know, I like Nick Saban going back, and not that he's ever lost that, but listen. As much as we want to make college football fancy and, you know, trick them and out in open space, and there, there's advantages to that. I think there, uh, there's no doubt that's the direction of the game, high-scoring, explosive. But listen, you still win football games in the trenches. My guy whipping your guy. Gotcha. I mean, don't, don't you think? I mean, oh, absolutely. And, and from what I'm hearing – with the defensive lineman that we're going to add to this class, you're going to have iron sharpening iron every day. Think about it, Ryan. Iron sharpening iron every day. Defensive line against one of the best offensive lines in the country. Sure. Hey, it's going to be scary again. I can, hey, I can see it now. When people see Alabama on their schedule, they're just going to mark down a loss and go ahead on the back of business. But yeah, I mean, I mean, look at that. Look at this offensive line. Uh, that's currently here. Yeah. Pat, th- this is no doubt yeah. unanimous hey. top hey. offensive line of the country. Now, hey. I hope Kyle Flood can can break them down, and maybe they'll start camp thinking that they're worst offensive line of the country. <laughs> uh, I mean, these coaches have a great way of doing that, and I'm sure Kyle Flood doesn't like the positive publicity coming out about yeah. his guys, but this is a great offensive line unit. Yeah, hey, and, and but you're talking about – past, present, and future your showdown. Hey, go back and look at the teams that Alabama will play in the SEC at the records against Alabama. And, hey, the only one that's even relatively close would be the Borners over there, believe it or not. That, I mean, the, hey, the amount of times that LSU's won, hey, the amount of times that Paul Mississippi State has won has been ridiculous. That's a ridiculous. I mean, you got to go back a long time for yeah, Mississippi State to win a ball game. Would you, would you go back to LSU and you go back to Auburn this upcoming year? I think they've got one returning starter among both teams there, none at Auburn. Uh, 
They return no starters. How would you like to be uh, Bo Nix coming into that season? Facing two of the top middle linebackers in the country, McMillan's going to get to play a little bit. He's going to be able to rest folks up. But you're going to have a Dylan Moses that's fresh, that has good legs underneath him. I mean, how scary is that going to be for an opposing quarterback? Hey, remember back in 85 when the Bears had a fellow by the name of Mike Singletary? You look across the line, it showed the camera looking at the middle, at the middle linebacker. I think that's what Singletary played. And all you could see was them big white eyes looking at you, coming toward you. Bad other. Hey. Well, Pat, I mean, listen, listen. Uh, wear your mask now. Are you still wearing your mask every day? Oh, hey, that other. I absolutely number one. I'm staying in. I hadn't even I hadn't been to the store today at all. I hadn't been there out. And but when I did go out, not only do I wear a mask, but I also wear a shield. Well, and, and, uh, and just remember, uh, and that's what that's what Fauci now. Uh, that's what he's now recommending that a mask and a and a plastic shield. You know, some well, type of eye, some type of eye, or really good goggles. Just some type remember, of eye shields. Just remember, Pat. Yeah. If you go out, you got to go after eleven o'clock at night. Uh, well, going out on Wednesday night, on Wednesday night after church, there's not as many people out on Wednesday night either. For okay, 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 okay. Well, I mean, I mean, 11 o'clock, though, is when uh, COVID stopped sharing, according to our... Uh, oh, I got you, I got you. Yeah, but see, so many stores have, uh, are closing now. Hey, but, you know, they, they've closed down the Walmart down in Tillman's Corner, Alabama. Uh, that sounds out on the west side of Mobile. Uh, they completely shut it down. To go in and do a deep cleaning that is that many people with COVID. Gotcha. That that's saying. All right, hey, we got to quit reporting these COVID cases, man. We got to play football. Well, they gotta, hey, they got to ride out there out in Colorado. Hey, have a blessed with Ryan. Hey, if they get caught with doing that, they have some serious yeah, trouble. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. right. Hey, Thank you. Have a blessed day. You know I'm kidding. No All doubt. Right. Thank hey, you, bye. We continue right here. We're going to get into a lot of different conversations. We're going to talk about it. William Barcher. Former Alabama offensive lineman. We called him a Crimson Tide insider. He could plug us in. We're going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk about this upcoming season. William Barger coming up in a couple of minutes here in T-Town on Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Tide 100.9 WTIDFM. The station in Tuscaloosa for ESPN Radio. Your home Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. So we continue. William Barger, former offensive lineman at the University of Alabama, former offensive lineman at the University of Alabama. We call him a Crimson Tide Insider. Helps us plug in with so many different things. We're going to talk a lot of stuff in college football. Hey, William, I appreciate you coming back on. I'm sorry last week we had a little technical problems, but I'm glad we got you back on. I hope all is well. I'm doing good, Ryan. How about you, man? Good, good. I, I feel like last week like I was fumbling and Coach Stallings was staring at me is what – what happened? <laughs> well, I, I, after after you know, I guess on both sides we finally waved the white flag and gave up. I was sure. like, you know, 
I'd have been hung up that many times since I was 16 years old and was trying to get a girl to go out with me for the first time. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, well, and I, I looked at the guys during one of the breaks. I said, just play interviews, man. Play interviews. Play interviews. Um, but, William, I appreciate you coming back on for a couple of minutes. Let me, let me get your thoughts. Just look ahead to college football. From a player perspective, what do you see in the upcoming season – uh, do you think we'll play the game? What would be your concerns? Just give you the flexibility to go where you need to de- need to go with all this different pandemic stuff. I mean, you know, Ryan, I'll be honest. I think the the game day experience is going to be, you know, more um, of a change, so to speak, for the fan experience and maybe the media experience um, versus, you know, what the players encounter on the field. Um you know, I don't think it's it's any secret that, you know, a lot of college football programs have had, you know, a high number of players, um, you know, test positive for the COVID um, since this outbreak started. And, you know, they're all in such good shape and, and you know, at the peak of, of health, um, most of them haven't developed symptoms. But um, I, I fully expect it to, uh, you know, go off. And, and I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Um, I wish they'd make it permanent. You know, let's let's start the season at uh, you know, the end of last week in September, first weekend in October, and take the heat aspect out of it, and uh, you know, play on. You know, um, you know, I think now they they've got the SEC championship game scheduled to go off Saturday before Christmas. I like it. I, I'm looking forward to it. You look at ten conference games, and you know, this is one of the days that maybe we'll discuss. You know, the the things that will change that may never go back. You look at 10 conference games, when you think about the SEC, if you're predicting right now, you think anybody can run through this thing undefeated and win all 10 games? And we don't even know yeah. the schedule. I mean, that, that's yeah. a, you know, it's a part of it. Yeah, no, I, I think this, this 2020 Alabama team's capable of it. I mean, this is a very, very talented team. Um, and I think it has a chance to, uh, you know, be a, a very explosive, nasty offense. I mean, I, I'll say this. I mean, I think if Pete Golding can just put a C-plus, B-minus defense on the field, um, that they've got a chance of running the table. William, what do you see in Kyle Flood? Because we've had a chance to kind of study him and understand him for the year. What do you see in Kyle Flood as offensive line coach? Um, You know, I, I, I like his philosophy. I, I think um, – you know, I think he does a really good job of identifying and, and getting the five best players, you know, on the field. Um, you know, I think you saw, um, you know, some growing pains with, you know, you know, um, Alex Leatherwood's, you know, first full season at left tackle with, with Landon Dickerson early on, um, you know, go, go, you know, when, when Owens did the center and, you know, Dickerson showed the versatility to move over to center and, you know, I think he does a good job, number one, of identifying and getting the five best players on the field. And, you know, it's not like he's got a hard job, Ryan. I mean, Nick Saban has done such a phenomenal job, um, you know, since he's been at Alabama of going out and identifying and recruiting and evaluating guys. You know, because it's, it's, it's really true. I mean, there always are some outliers there. But, you know, you've got to have certain measurables you know, to be a center or a guard, and there's a big difference in being a right tackle and a left tackle. You know, there's not a 
there's not a lot of Jonah Williams and, and Jedrick Wills walking the face of the earth that are talented enough to play all five positions because it takes such a unique skill set. But, you know, Kyle Flood's got the easiest job in the country because Nick, as an offensive line coach, because Nick Saban and, uh, you know, his, his evaluators do such a phenomenal job of going out and signing, you know, great offensive linemen year in and year out. On the the flip side of that, take a look at Freddie Roach and what he has to work with that defensive line group. Uh, they're going to be some depth over there, and I think that maybe you know is the key to that side of the football. But uh, you kind of like what Freddie Roach has got to work with on that side of the football as well. Yeah, because you know, I mean, I, I think last year, you know, the the fan base got a little bit disgruntled with with the DBs, and uh, I can promise you, you're you're not going find a more talented DB in college football than Patrick Sertain. But I, I thought that was a little bit unfair. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why, um, you know, everybody used to brag on Antonio Langham and George Teague back in my day. But, you know, I'm not, not to take anything away from them. They were both first-round draft picks. But, you know, when you only have to cover somebody for 2.5 seconds before a John Copeland or an Eric Curry ear holes the quarterback, um, it makes your job as the DB a lot easier. And, and that facet was missing from the 2019 Alabama defense. They just couldn't generate, you know, any type of organic pass rush without a blitz being dialed up. And, and I think, you know, if, if you can, you know, A, if, if, if Freddie Roach, you know, identifies that Christian Barrymore is the guy that can come in there and generate a pass rush on the inside, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if – you know, a Drew Sanders or a Will Anderson doesn't, you know, factor in, you know, in that rabbit package when they do need to generate a pass rush. Then all of a sudden you can start to see just how good a Josh Job and a Patrick Sertain is because um, the quarterback doesn't have all day to sit back there and wait for somebody to get open. Well, you mean, what is the biggest difference between pressure up the middle and the pressure on the outside? I mean, I guess maybe this might be a quarterback question, but – uh, is, is no, one, no, it's not. It's a real simple question. Okay. Um, you know, and this is coming from, you know, when you see quarterbacks, when you stand behind that, that pass pro drill um, at the SEC level and you see what that quarterback has to assimilate in 2.5 seconds, um, if you've got a halfway decent pass rush, that's all the time they've got before – they're fixing to get hit. And, you know, the goal is is to have a Marcel Darius or a Quinnen Williams because um, as an offensive lineman, the center and the two guards are responsible for establishing the depth of the pocket. The two tackles are responsible for the width. But if you've got a defensive line that can collapse the depth of that pocket inside and you've got at least one, preferably two guys, that can collapse that pocket from the outside and condense the width, then all of a sudden that quarterback's going to panic, and none of them, trust me, um, want to get hit. There's some that are better at taking hits than others, but none of those guys you know, want to take a hit from a, a Quinnen Williams or a Marcel Darius up the middle or you know, a guy that's capable of running a 4-6-40 screaming off the edge. It's not a fun position to find yourself in. Going back to Will Anderson and Drew Sanders for a couple of minutes, when, when you look at Drew Sanders, I mean, I've just heard uh, just from rumblings here, just with 
some of the conditioning, some of the uh, strength conditioning side of things. I mean, I hear he's off the charts, that he could play a lot of different positions. Uh, but if he's focused as an outside pass rusher and able to help us get some pressure on the edge, what are your expectations from him first year out? Uh, I mean, I think he's probably going to factor in from, okay. from game one. Um, you know, with, with not being able to go through spring practice, you know, that, that kind of slow plays that development down a little bit, in my opinion, because it is a big jump. I mean, you know, you're going to – he's not going to be going up against, you know, Johnny Smith that's a, a left tackle, you know, in Texas that's, you know, 6'2", you know, 250 pounds. It, it's it's going to be, you know, a, a guy that's a first-round draft pick probably. Um, so he's going to have to get adjusted to the level of athleticism that he has to defeat at the point of attack play-by-play, but I mean, I I think he's a guy you could put him at, you know, outside linebacker, you know, Jack or Sam, Um, if he doesn't, you know, out-bulk and outgrow that position, he could be a, a, you know, a great defensive end, but he's also a guy that you could stick over there on the other side of the football, and he could potentially be a Rob Gronkowski for you at tight end, so he's just one of those, you know, physical freaks that could probably play multiple positions on both sides of the football. And speaking of tight end, Carl Tucker uh, should be able to make a contribution there pretty early as a grad transfer. Hearing some good things about him too. Yeah, and and, and hopefully, um, I mean, obviously he's not you know Irv Smith or OJ Howard, but I think if they could just you know have him develop into a guy that they can count on to you know seal the edge on an outside zone play or you know make a damn decent cutoff block on the backside, that that would be his best contribution. Is just being a solid run blocker. Um, you know they, they've got so many weapons at wide receiver and running back that they can. You know Steve Sarkeesian can dial up in the passing game. You know they don't need him to be Irv Smith or OJ Howard, which would be nice to have, but that's just not who he is or who he's going to be. So going back to the other side of the football with pass rush, isn't that a concern a little bit when you talk about? You, you, your lack of experience in that secondary because you're going to have to break in some new uh, personnel uh, other than Patrick Sertain. You've got some experience, but when you combine that with not being able, as it looks right now, to get pressure on the quarterback until at whatever point you combine 10 games in the conference, uh, I mean, could that be the Achilles heel for Alabama? I, I think, you know, and I'll use this because I know you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that, that's what drove me mentally insane, you know, during the, the Kirby Smart era as the defensive coordinator at Alabama. And, you know, this was a byproduct of, you know, back when you still needed to have, you know, a true 3-4 personnel to stop the, the downhill running programs, um, you know, back in, you know, let's say from 2008 until, what, 12 or 13 when all the zone read offenses came out. But, you know, his so-called mush rush, where you just try and keep everything contained and in the middle of the field. Go, go back and, and think about that play that Johnny Manziel made. Um, I think that was in 2014, maybe, when, when they beat Alabama at home and Bryant-Denny. No, the, the easiest way to stop an explosive play happening isn't to contain the play. It's to put the quarterback on his back. So on a pass play, the easiest way to keep it from being successful, if you don't put the quarterback on his back, you, you, you make it where he's only got 2.5 seconds to diagnose what's going on in front of him. 
William, when you look at uh, the other side of the the, the football in a, in a lot of different areas, do, do you see a weakness on the offensive side? Is there something over there that you maybe need to question and get answered in fall camp? Um, you know, maybe at the two tackle spots, some depth being developed, um, you know, behind Alex Leatherwood, and I'm going to make a probably a pretty smart assumption that Evan Neal's going to end up being the right tackle. You know, who are those two guys behind them? Um, you know, if one of them were to get hurt. But outside of that, um, I don't think there are any questions. They're ridiculously deep in the interior portion of the offensive line. Um, you know, maybe you don't have a halfway proven, uh, you know, number two guy at quarterback, but I think we probably both know who that's going to end up being. Um, just ridiculous and deep talent at, at wide receiver and running back. Um, you know, we, we still – you know, haven't got a chance to see a guy like John Mechie at wide receiver who probably could have started at a lot of other schools last year as a true freshman or a healthy Trey Sanders. Um, I, I think that second-team guy at left tackle and right tackle are the only two questions I have. Well, and, and you know, everybody says, we got to bring up special teams, got to bring up special teams. We do need to find an answer for this because – we, we played the debate a couple of weeks ago, uh, and, and we've done it about a year ago as well. When's the last time you felt comfortable about an Alabama kicker stepping up with a 35-yarder? Uh, we had to go back to Michael Proctor. You know, I, I'll disagree on that just a tad. I think by his senior year, um, after totally getting ruined as a true freshman by Mike Shula, I think uh, uh, Tiffin's son, um, was that guy. Um, but since then, I, I would agree. Um, and I'm just going back to, you know, the Nick Saban era. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the things that I always tell everybody is, you know, as, 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 as a struggle as, as the offense was when I was playing, um, you, you knew if you got it to the 40-yard line, you know, either Philip Doyle or Michael Proctor, the two kickers that I played with, we're going to put it right through the middle. I mean, they, they they never missed. William, as we transfer into another conversation, I want to go to recruiting as final at the end, but let me go back to uh, Dr. Ray and Matthew Blue. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of watch these guys do their magic from a scientific approach. I know we've had tons of conversations. You, you kind of understand maybe uh, the approach that we were taking under Scott Cochran may have been not as good as advertised because I keep seeing they put out these numbers and they'll say, well, we increased this much. And I'm going, really? In six months, we were able to drive that much of an increase. Now, I know what they're doing is world renowned, but maybe we were behind just a little bit in that area. I, I honestly, uh, Ryan, I think where you, know, you have to kind of put this into perspective. Um, Jonah Williams was capable of starting in the Southeastern Conference as a 10th grader in high school. Uh, but if you go back and you look over the course of the Nick Saban era, ask yourself this. Show me some guys that once they got to Alabama that didn't get hurt, didn't struggle with injuries, and were developed into weight room freaks. Those guys were that way when they got on campus. You know, Jonah Williams, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. I mean, he was a weight room. Bradley Bozeman, Jalen Hurts as a skill player. 
the, all the people that came to Alabama under Scott Cochran's program that, that you know, were kind of lauded as being the weight room freaks, hell, they were freaks when they got there. Jonah Williams was a, you know, a, a damn near a 500-pound bench presser and a 600-pound squatter um, was the shot-put and discus champion in the state of California. You know, th- that's not something that Scott Cochran did. That, that's just the byproduct what we already talked about of Nick Saban doing such a great job, you know, of developing physical freaks. Now, I will say this. I, I think, and it's a byproduct of over-conditioning those guys, um, you know, I think he did do a good job of taking bad weight off of players, um, you know, kind of in the, in the, the, the lines of Deron Payne. Um, but, I mean, that, that over-conditioning, um, you know, not giving them enough time to recover. And, you know, Nick Saban plays a, a little bit in this. But I think that's where the the nonstop, you know, red book of injuries comes from is, is that, you know, those kids – I'm not going to mention the player's name, but a former player that was about to go to the combine um, told me, he said, you know, there, there's two things – that we all hear from players that have gone up there before us. We get dinged on two things, despite, you know, at this point, I think there was four national championships. Um, our medical our medical jackets are as thick as the Metro Atlanta Yellow Pages, and nobody ever tests out in the top ten, uh, in the top ten for their specific position group. And, you know, that, that stuck with me. And then I got the same player to give me a copy of, of the strength and conditioning program. And, I mean, it, it wasn't much more advanced or up to par than the one that I went through in the early 90s. You know, and, and basically all Cochran did, you know, once Nick Saban couldn't lure uh, Tommy Moffitt to leave LSU and, and come to Alabama with him, he went out and found a, a Tommy Moffitt protege who was actually a strength coach in, in the – NBA at the time, which is a totally different sport, a totally different, you know, training regime. And, you know, he, he wanted to kind of rinse and repeat, you know, with somebody that he was comfortable with um, while he was at LSU. And that's what you got. So we're talking to William Barcher, final couple of minutes here with him. And it, it's just kind of fun to see these guys work their magic. I hope it pays off on, uh, you know, the injury front, maybe the lack of, or uh, trying to find a way, you know, find a way to clean some of that up. And, uh, William, let's let's go to uh, this offensive line class. There's a lot that's been said about it. Matter of fact, before you came on, there was a, a guy who called in and asked me to ask this question. You know, is this Nick Saban's best offensive line class? I guess we'll answer that question three or four years. Uh, but on paper, what do you think about this offensive line class? The current- I, I certainly would say on paper it's got the potential to end up being that. You know, it's um, – you know, there's been a lot of good ones, but at least on paper, I mean, you know, this this J.C. Latham, um, he's a slam dunk first round draft pick. Um, you know, the, the the Brockenheimer kid, the tackle, the taller one of yeah, the Tommy, two brothers, Tommy. You know, he he's got to work on body lean and and not getting overextended, and uh, but but the. You know, the feet and the athleticism are there. You know, his brother that's going to end up being a center or a guard, you know, he, he's probably um, the, the, the nastier of the two, which, you know, that's kind of what you need to be. You know, you need the, 
the nasty maulers at, at the two guard spots in the center, and you need the, the people with the ridiculous feet. Um, you know, there's a reason why the NFL pays left tackles and right tackles a lot more than what the guards and the centers make. It takes a special, special person to be able to get out there on an island with a edge rusher that probably runs a four six forty with a five yard head start, and he's got the the ability to pick and replace his feet up and, and protect that edge. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm very impressed with it. Um, uh, I can't wait once these guys get on campus. Um, you know what what you know Baloo and, and Raya can do with them. But yeah, you're on to something. I think you need to spend a little bit more time, especially on your show, uh, talking about what these two guys, I think Baloo and Raya, if that's the correct pronunciation, when you combine them with the amount of money that Nick Saban is willing to dump into nutrition with Amy Bragg, you're, you're, you know, there's all kinds of people that are, you know, wondering and worrying when Nick Saban is going to retire. Why the hell would he want to retire unless he has a, you know, a health problem that comes up. I mean, he has got this thing. You know, Ryan, what's so funny since we're talking about recruiting, think back to the calls that I bet you were getting in May <laughs> when Alabama when Alabama and Nick Saban were sitting at 38th in the country in recruiting. And look at the ground he's made up during this pandemic um, where there weren't any visits and, you know, the coaches couldn't go see the players. There wasn't, you know, the May evaluation period for the assistants to go out. And about, I mean, he has made up a ton of ground um, in a short period of time. And I think you might see, uh, you know, the month of August um, just just keep right on rolling with great, great prospects committing to Alabama. Well, I think he was being patient. I, maybe we're looking back. Maybe we can understand that a little bit. I mean, he wasn't handing out offers. Maybe he thought that he could get camps going on because at that point – you know, he loves to be able to get them on campus, show them the, uh, the right. facility. So maybe he was being a little patient, and then he realized that this pandemic was not going to, to go away, and Nick Saban did what he could only control, and that was recruiting. And and we've seen that before. Uh, when uh, he's limited on areas that he can control, uh, he tries to whip you in the recruiting front, and that's the competitor in him. Well, don't, don't, don't discount, or, or uh, nobody should, because I, I personally – stopped worrying about recruiting in February of 2008. I'm not saying I stopped <laughs> sure. paying attention to it, but, but hit the rewind button to, uh, you know, when Nick Saban was flying back on the, the, the jet from Miami with Mal Moore. And, and, you know, I think he kind of, you know, trolled Mal a little bit. And he said, coach, I know you probably feel like you just went out and hired the best college football coach in the country, which I'm not. There's probably some other guys out there that are better than me. But you did just hire the best damn recruiter in college football. And really, if one day that the book will be written about this dynasty, and it's got to be, it, it'll have to start with recruiting. It's got to. Absolutely. I mean, look, there's no truer statement in big time college football, Ryan. And, you know, I think Bobby Bowden might have been the guy that first coined this phrase. It's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. And Nick Saban goes out and gets the best Jimmys and Joes year in and year out. Well, and, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine that covers uh, in Mississippi, and we were talking about Lane Kiffin, and kind of the early report is uh, that Lane 
is a little lazy on the recruiting front. He's a great play caller, one of the best. I mean, uh, but you cannot take the Florida Atlantic and mismatch that with play calling in this league. You better go out and get some dynamic playmakers, and then you combine that with your excellent play calling. You can win football games. But he was telling me he's like, yeah, he's a little bit lazy on the recruiting trail. I was well, like, I mean, I've heard that same story, and you know, that was also, you know. I would say from 08 to when he was finally able to hire Lane, you know, that's, that was the, the, the bio that I was kind of given is that Kiffin is the better play caller of the two. Um, but, you know, and he, he's, you know, you know, Nick swung and missed in trying to get Sarkeesian to Alabama as his OC early on. But that's what I was told is that Sarkeesian may not be the most, the better creative play caller, but he's the better quarterback developer. Going to be a lot of fun to watch college football. Going to be a lot of fun to watch all this unfold. William, I, I appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with me. I looked up and I realized that we, you and I have been talking for 26 minutes and about 30 seconds. So I did not realize that until I looked up. So I'm sorry it took you a little bit long, but uh, we were in depth in some good college football. It's good to catch up on the air and I hope all is well with you and uh, your family, you guys stay safe, and I appreciate you jumping on here in a couple of minutes here in T-Town. Hey, Ryan, I'm, I'm enjoying it, and, uh, you know, hopefully here, you know, sooner rather than later, you know, things will get back to normal. We'll have some college football in our lives. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you, William. Thank you, Ryan. Absolutely. It is Crimson Tide insider, former offensive lineman at the University of Alabama, William Barger, uh, Redfish, as a lot of people know, William Redfish Barger. A uh, guy loves college football, played at the University of Alabama. Always fun to be able to pick his brain about a lot of different things. We'll take a f- couple of phone calls if you want to jump in. We can do it. Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. A partially sunny sky this afternoon. The chance of a few isolated showers or thunderstorms through the evening hours. A high today, 89. Tonight's low, 68. Tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine with only a small chance of a shower during the day. The high at 90. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. WTIDFM and ESPN Radio. Bringing you all things sports in T-Town. You're listening to Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content. It's fun to be able to talk with the best fans of the country. We call it Alabama tradition, the past, present, future, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Dion, Dion, good afternoon, man. You're in the game. What's up, Ryan? How's it going? Having an awesome day, man. Listen to yeah, William. Yeah, man, I've, I've been listening to you. I'm, I've, I'm took a vacation this week from the old uh, car building facility. And, uh, oh, went I went down to the beach. Dean Don, Dean Don. Okay, okay. I yeah. think they may have misunderstood. I, I now got the voice now. I, I saw Dion. Oh, yeah, man. How are you, man? Oh, yeah. You, 
Man, uh, well, after last week, man, I had had the back kind of go out on me last Thursday and Friday, oh, so I had to get that straightened out, and then ended up going, just drove down to the beach and relaxed, and it actually helped out a lot, but the two days at the chiropractor didn't hurt any either, so you know how, I mean, you know my back injury situation, yeah. so it's always pops up the least. I saw some photos of the beach, man. It looked great. looked relaxing, and uh, sounds hey, like you had a good time. Much, well, it was, and honestly, it was supposed to be uh, a weekend getaway before uh, practice started on this Friday, but I guess that's up in the air, and uh, just, who knows. As you said that, I just thought about it, because yesterday, or excuse me, Sunday would have been media day, right? Yeah, it would have been uh, this coming Sunday, I guess, or this past Sunday. Um, but I guess maybe this, well, Miles, usually, usually they have one practice, and they had the media day on Sunday, so they I do. really don't know. Yeah, Saturday or Sunday, I, it would have been, yeah, it would have been starting, yeah. Yeah, and that, that brings up another subject I was going to talk to you with. I mean, I, I've been listening a little bit on and off all day. I think the Las Vegas guy was around 2 o'clock or so. Uh, when Maybe maybe when the first few guests talking about he just didn't think it was going to happen this year. I'm thinking, man, every time I get a little bit of uh, excitement, he somebody talks me down and talks me out of it. Yeah, that, w- that was on Jay's show. Uh, I was on Jay's show. Yeah, right, right before yeah. you came on. It was Tony Curry was talking about Vegas, and I heard him, and I – uh, I was, I'm not able to find that. I need to send Jay a text and see if I can find that. Cause I, I heard him and Tony talking about the Vegas odds and you know, whether they're yeah. going to have football. And, you know, I thought Tony really made a good point. Jay did as well as, you know, those guys are normally spot on with their predictions. They're, they're usually pretty darn close. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't take a, everybody's money, not my money, but they don't take everybody else's money somehow. So they're not in the way of losing this thing. And the same idea is with, with with your situation. You know, I'm kind of a part time media person during football season, basketball season. I'm I'm still up in the air on. Um, I got a feeling that all the press conferences with Coach David on Monday and Wednesday, and then after the games, is probably going to be teleconference type stuff. Because there can't be a lot of people in those small rooms. You know, I, I just kind of wondered how they're going to handle all that. Are they going to limit the people in the stands? Are they going to limit people in the press box uh, sideline? Well, I mean, it's just. Odd thing I hadn't really thought about. You know, I just when he was talking about, it, I thought, man, I, I really hope it comes along. I, mean, I hope we have a season because, I mean, myself, it, it, I would love to be there. But for you, it, it, it generates a lot of the radio show, a lot of the, a lot of the media. It's a full time job. I mean, I'm blessed to be able to be there with you and and hang out and do stuff. But it, it's not much writing on it as far as my 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 life, you know. And um, it's well, just I a wonder, whole weird. Yeah, I wonder to just a couple of minutes when you. You back up and you think about, okay, so how are we going to manage this? How are we yeah. going to manage it to the point, you know, let, let's just let's be a little transparent here. I think the goals, sometimes the communication has always been to shut the door on media. I just, I mean, oh, and, yeah. and I think that's the way they almost kind of make us feel, right? Uh, that oh, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're more of a burden than we are uh, to actually, you know, do it right. I mean, to, 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 I mean, how many Mondays have me and you been sitting on that front row? And we kind of picture that right hand gets to moving, then that right foot gets to moving. It's time to quiet because he's going. He's, he's sitting sure. there, going, I mean, not go off. Sure. The next question is sure. going to get him. Well, and and so I back up a couple of minutes. Would this not be the perfect time to implement that? Limited media availability. Oh, yeah. Limit press conferences. I mean, they don't. I mean, you think Nick Saban enjoys coming in and talking to us? No. So they'll put him no, on a and Zoom. About, and the thing about it is. They gave it a perfect test run during SEC media days. I mean, it could be a situation where if you got a question, uh, email it in, tweet, whatever, and we'll pick out the ones and say, hey, we're going to answer these questions. Um, and they've been doing the teleconference-type stuff all over the nation with Coach Saban on ESPN. 
it would be the perfect time to, to transfer into that. I would not like it because I, I enjoy going in there and watching it and doing the videos and stuff. But um, times are changing, and it might be it might be what Saban he gets what he wants on as far as the media stuff. But you know, I would love to be there. I want to see a season. I'd love to be there on Saturdays doing pictures and and enjoying that part of it. But at the same time, I'll sit at home if guys like you who depend on that time of year. I mean, it drives your show. It drives all the ratings for everybody in the world. But I, I just don't know. Like I said, every time I get to feeling pretty good about a season, somebody comes along and says, I don't see it happening. Well, it kind of scares me a little bit. <laughs> well, it, it does. I mean, when you, you look and, you know, listen, I go out to practice and I spot stuff and I come back and I'm able yeah, to communicate that. But, but, you know, it, and it's never – communications is not about me. I could give two rips if Nick Saban ever talks to me. Uh, you know, I, I like him. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I mean, I don't need him to talk to me to make my day a success. But no. but it's but the the part is is what by hearing him talk or by seeing practice. See, we're the liaison between fans and the University of Alabama. Yeah, I mean that's what creates that interest. Uh, and I was on up in uh, North Alabama with Brett Beard and Harold Bug earlier today, and we were talking yeah. about this. And I said that that's the issue. That that is the issue is that disconnect begins getting further and further and further. And you know, we're there to create an interest and help well not not by ourselves, but we, we help facilitate right. that interest. And uh Oh yeah, I mean I mean I mean honestly I've only asked Nick Saban two, maybe three questions. And all those times it's been in the media days during the uh bowl games and the playoff situation. And and it's a deal where he's sitting there and he's like waiting for somebody. You know how it is on the field before on the media days on the on the bowl game. He's sitting there in that corner. He's begging somebody to ask a question. And I usually I'm not asking about different players that I know is not going to create anything bad. But I think he likes talking about players. You know, a lot of times. Um, other than that, I, I don't I don't dare raise my hand or even think about a question on Mondays because I'm not. It's not my. I'm not there to do that. I'm there to video it and put it up for for Bama Online as soon as I can. Um, because we got enough people there to ask questions anyway, and most of the questions going to be covered. But um, you know, I'm I'm hoping and praying everything goes well. But I know a lot of times, and on a lot of shows, yours and other people's, it's always been, well, what's the fans? The fans will be willing to do this, do this, do this. And I think the presidents and universities and all people in the decision making guys, they got to take two things in consideration: the money factor, and honestly, it's more important that the players be healthy than the fans. Honestly, you know. That's where the universities can make their judgment call. And if you think of it from that way, we don't really know how it's going to be when the players start really practicing, pushing against each other. You know, it's a, it's a contact sport. So it's a whole new level of what what if, you know. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. Either way, man, if, if they played in a, you know in the back of a field, I'm going to be there. And if they're playing at Brian, Do my Denny, best to be there. Yeah, sure. So it's uh, – I mean – but hey, but hey, man, I enjoy the show. You know, as always, man, I'm always here for you. If you need anything, you holler at me. I'm going to make a trip to North Alabama tomorrow, like you did, go up to to Lawrence County and visit family tomorrow for a little bit. Uh, in the process of getting a roof put on the house, I got to be back Thursday, so at least a one day trip be better than none. But well, it's it's good to hear your voice, man. I'm glad we uh, uh, one day, man. We got to go do lunch. We got to. I mean, I hate to be like Tell a reunion what, I mean, on the air, but uh, I, let's go do it. I'll give you I'll give you a call Thursday. I'll be back in town Thursday after the roof guy leaves, but take back three o'clock. Hey, I, Thursday, I do lunch I every day. I do lunch every day. I, I don't miss lunch. I mean, it's like my... Uh, you can look at me. I, I just left the gym trying to get so I can get, get in there and get there with you. So, hey, 
I'll call you. I'll text you on Thursday or Friday. Sounds good. Thank you, Dinon. Thank Bye-bye. you. Uh, looked up at the name, and uh, Dinon is a guy that I travel with to the away games. We uh, uh, make it to the away games, have a lot of fun, and uh, looked up at his name. We uh, continue with more Alabama football. Man, we've had a great conversation. How many time? How much time I got? About three minutes left. Two minutes. We'll take you guys back. You don't think recruiting involves the program? I want to take you guys back. Two thousand eight. Nick Saban's. Big class, right? Nick Saban. 30 enrollees, because that was back when you could sign the limits. You ready? Or more than a limit. Julio Jones, Tyler Love, B.J. Scott, Jarrell Harris out of Gadsden City played. Mark Barron, uh, I know he was still playing in the pros. Courtney Upshaw, Mark Ingram, Lonzo Lawrence, Barrett Jones, Burton Scott, Star Jackson, Michael Williams, who played uh, several years in the NFL. Coaching at Pickens uh, County over in Reform. Marcel Darius, uh, Devontae Bolton, Chris Jackson, Chris Jordan, Damian Square, who played quite a few years in the NFL, may still be in San Diego. i got to look that up. John Michael Boswell from County High, who played significant football for the University of Alabama. And overall, just a great dude, man. John Michael Boswell, uh, Robbie Green, Destin Hood, chose baseball. He chose baseball. I'm just talking about this class, uh, St. Paul's Episcopal, there in Mobile, Dante Hightower, Leesburg, Tennessee, Marshall County High School, Brandon Lewis, Robert Lester, Glenn Harbin, Ivan Matchett, Terrence Cody, uh, Jermaine Prayer, uh, Andre Billingsley, Brad Smelly from right here, American Christian Academy, played a significant role in Alabama's team, Corey Smith, Kerry Murphy, Murphy, and Melvin Ray. That was one recruiting class. We'll talk more about that next time. Big thanks to Tommy. Big thanks to Bryant. Thank you so much, man. You guys are awesome. William Barcher, see you next time on Alabama Tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Dell.